Hi, welcome to Ruin My Life, a podcast about forcing your friends to like things you like. I'm Jason Edwards. I'm Kelsey Goldman. And Kelsey, we did it. We made it through. We did Harry Potter. We did Harry Potter, and that's over. It's over now. It's out the door now. But it's over now. Say goodbye to that. But it's over now. The normies only chapter is done. (laughs) Normies, get out of here. Now we're going deep niche. It's only real (laughs) underground shit from this point on. Deep niche only. And that is why uh, The Deepest of Niches, a, a television program that ran on HBO that was seen by millions of people, <laughs> uh, is what we are talking about this episode. It is The Leftovers, season one. Season one. That's right. Just season one. Just season one. There's there's too much here to get through in in one one episode to get through all three seasons. And also, I did seven episodes of the Kelsey thing. Yeah. And, and you owe me. I, I do. Are we going to do two more episodes of The Leftovers? Yeah, I think so. Okay. There's two more seasons of The Leftovers. Okay. The Leftovers. What is it? What is it? Kelsey, I'm glad you asked. Because The Leftovers is a supernatural family drama mystery parable fantasy thriller TV show, etc., etc. That ran on HBO for three seasons between 2014 and 2017. Created by Damon Lindelof of Lost and Tom Perota, based on Perota's novel of the same name, The Leftovers is set in a world where 2% of the world's population mysteriously vanished on October 14th. Season 1 of The Leftovers is set in Mapleton, New York. Beautiful Mapleton, New York. A real place that's in that weird upper northwest corner of the state that I never think about. Where where, uh, Also, you said it was north of Buffalo, right? Yeah, it's like just north of Buffalo. It's it's like close to Canada. Yeah, just like Buffalo is close to Canada. It did not get cold enough in that... Well, you mean? There's snow on the ground for like the entire season. Is there? Even though most of it takes place in, in... well, not most of it, but like it, it's no. it's snowy for most of the year. I mean, season. I have questions about the timeline. Okay, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to those. Um, so it's set in Mapleton, to New York, and it's centered primarily around the local chief of police, Kevin Garvey Jr. Kevin Garvey Jr. Portrayed by one Justin Thoreau, our hero, writer of Zoolander Two. Did he write star, star of Maniac? <laughs> uh, writer of Tropic Thunder. Jack of all trades. Yeah, he's he's really got a, a co-writer of Iron Man Two. That's a good one, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Sorry. No. 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 Well, Which one debatable. is Iron Man 2? Iron Man 2 is the one with the Mandarin. No, that's the Iron Man no, 3. No, that's Iron Man 3. Iron Man 2 is the one with Mickey Rourke. Yeah, with the crazy with things. Yeah. <laughs> Justin well, Thoreau had, had a hand too. in that. Uh, so Kevin Garvey Jr., and it's focused on him and his family, mm-hmm. the Garveys. Mm-hmm. In the wake of the event known as the Sudden Departure, the Garveys all struggle to cope with the nature of this new world they live in where... You know, the laws of, of physics and, and science and religion are all sort of up for debate. Things seem like things are different now. This, this huge mysterious thing happened and people vanished and no one knows what happened. And, and part of the way they deal with that is that Kevin's wife, Lori, joins a mysterious cult of silent white-clad aggressors. Silent white-clad chain-smoking aggressors. Just to, I forgot the chain-smoking. <laughs> the original chain-smokers, you might call them. <laughs> Known as the Guilty Remnant. JasonEdwards.com.com <laughs> While their son, uh, Lori and Kevin's son, Tommy, is caught up in the orbit of a charismatic figure known as Holy Wayne, who's part of a different cult, to be clear. Because there's a lot of cults. Yes. Uh, their other child, Jill, is a teenager. She's still living in Mapleton with Kevin in the, their old family home. Uh, well, actually, sorry, it's a different house. Different but they're, they're living together still in Mapleton. Yeah. Uh, and then both two of them, Kevin and Jill, are trying to hold on to some semblance of their pre-departure life. Uh, which is especially challenging because Kevin is 
constantly questioning his own sanity and having weird blackouts and seeing stuff. And he's going through a rough patch. He's just trying. He's trying so he's hard. He's doing his best. He's it's, doing his best. It's a bad situation. <laughs> uh, some other major characters in season one include Matt Jameson. Matt the, Jameson. A, the, a, the local Episcopalian priest who has been driven into a near mania by the departure and the fact that his wife was left uh, comatose and, and non-responsive after an, a, a car accident that, that happened as a result of the departure. Uh, and Matt's sister, Nora Durst, a woman who lost her husband and two kids in the departure and uh, is the greatest character in television history. Uh, just wait for it. Okay. Give, give that time. To, <laughs> just give that, that sentence time. Those, listen, if you know, you know. <laughs> also featured is Meg Abbott, a recent convert to the Guilty Remnant, and Patty Levin, leader of the Guilty Remnant's Mapleton chapter. That's about all the main characters, all the people you, all the players you yep. really need to know. Oh, the Gar- there, Garvey Senior. Oh, Kevin bit. Garvey Senior, who is Kevin's dad, who has um, suffered a, a mental breakdown at some point since the departure, and is now confined to a like a living facility, basically. Yeah. Um, oh, Christine, who is the young woman who is traveling with Tommy after mm-hmm. uh, she's impregnated by Holy Wayne, mm-hmm. and and Holy Wayne's cult sort of falls apart in the second episode because yeah. it's, it's under it's uh, attacked by Aftec. The uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Firearms, Tobacco, Explosions, and Cults, which got expanded from uh, the ATF since the departure. Um, that, that's about it. I think that covers it, right? Yeah. yeah, there's a couple other people, but like Amy, but... Amy, there's there's, there's minor characters floating yeah. here and about here too. Amy's pretty major for the first half of the first season. Yeah, but, you know, there's there's... I, I just have questions about her, so I'm bringing her up now. <laughs> okay. Is she gone forever? Do I, she, I not uh, care? Don't, don't worry about Amy. Aww. That's all I'm going to say. Don't, don't, don't worry too much about her going forward. I just had questions. They're so, never going to be answered. <laughs> so it's, we, we can build all, all the fan theories you want. We can build our own headcanon about what happened to Amy after the events of this, this, this grueling and emotionally trying season of television. <laughs> it was. Because that is the thing about Leftovers, folks. It is rough it's a lot it is a lot it's a lot it is a you know it, it is a, it is a show that is is basically and this is sort of my overarching thesis it's a show that's this is this also this is not really just my thesis this is rather just a what the show is about it's about living in a world where crazy un impossible to understand stuff happens and also anyone you love can be taken from you suddenly without reason so it's like it's it's about living in the world we live in now it's it's about our life yeah <laughs> but it explores that idea through this sort of fantastical unexplained and unexplainable event a rapture a, 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 sort, a sort of rapture a sort of rapture a sort of rapture the matt jameson would argue with you about that it's an anti-rapture yes he, he is he in particular is very invested in the idea that it is not a rapture because if it was a rapture certainly i matt jameson would have gone too i mean you would think but because it, it and, and 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 through that I think that use of that device and also some other mysterious, like semi supernatural events happening throughout the show. Like I think Damon Lindelof once said, I may be imagining this, but I think he once said that the leftovers is like, like 1% of this universe is actually magical. And the other 99% is just like our real world. Perhaps 2% is actually magical. Oh boy. 2%. That would make a lot more sense. Just like the milk I like to drink in my coffee. Or the number of people that disappeared. You know, I, I could see that too. <laughs> um, but my whole point is this is show is a uh, rare example of the magical realism genre in American television or American fiction in general. We don't really have like a strong 
magical realist tradition in America. It's mostly a, I'm going to screw this up. I think it's like a, mostly a South American thing. Yeah. It's from like, like Latin cultures, I believe. Borges. Uh, ah, Borges. He's the beginning of the magical realist movement there in you 20th go. century Latin America. Borges, the, 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 the silent partner of the leftovers. <laughs> the man who made it all possible. George the Louis Eric Borges. B. of magical realism. <laughs> I guess he'd be the Rakim of magical realism. I don't know. We can untangle this later. My point is, Kelsey, <laughs> mm-hmm. is that this show is one of my favorite shows of all time. I, w- I would say probably one of the best shows of all time. It's hard to really get into why that is before we get to seasons two and three, which I love season one a lot. And I've re exploring it with you has, has made me realize how, how great it really is. But but we're, we're going to stay focused season one right now. I just, want to, I just want to get that out there early that I love this show. I have some very strong feelings about it. But Kelsey, before I, before I, before I dominate this conversation any further, please, <laughs> wh- how are you feeling? Um, uh, spent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at, at watching a lot of television, like, in a short Oof, period of time. That is an understatement. <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> but I could not watch more. Like, I watched three episodes of this. Three was the most I watched at once. And that was when I was building a table at the same time. Right. So there was something to like get me through because I was like, I'm, I have to finish this table. So <laughs> yeah, so I couldn't watch like more than two episodes of this at once, even though like I wanted to know what happened. And usually that's what like spurs me forward. But it's just, it's heavy. Mm-hmm. It's rough, but good. And like, forgive me if I besmirch your love of Lost. But no, this is this is an open space. This lost. <laughs> say whatever you need to say. Okay, I remember watching the first few seasons of Lost because I did not finish it, and that like the sort of like elements, the sort of magical esque elements in that were like a big driving force behind the narrative, and like you wanted to know the answers to those questions. But like I was saying before, I don't want to know why these people left. I don't care about that, <laughs> and I think that's a huge improvement upon Dim Lindelof's um. <laughs> writing or, or uh, mm-hmm. narrative storytelling um, because there it's a device and not a plot point necessarily. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I This will not make much sense to you because you never finished Lost. Yeah. But I will say I, I like Lost. I think the ending of it is it's not great, but it's not the awful thing people think it is because yeah. people don't know what actually happened. People have stopped watching Lost in season three, which is fair. It's a bad That's season. That's when I stopped watching it. Yeah, it's like I said, fair. <laughs> and they tuned back into the ending and they didn't know what was happening and they got... Ugh, sorry. Sorry. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm fine. Just the react is, to my commentary. Not The ending is not is not my favorite thing, but yeah. it, it it's I it's I think it's fine. But really when you watch The Leftovers, you could, I I feel like anyway. Um The Leftovers is the show that Damon Lindelof wanted to be making by the time Lost got to its 6th season, which is sort of why the ending of Lost is kind of like it's very very spiritual and kind of like all about like warm feelings about Oh, family and togetherness and, 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 and uniting and, you know, and how you, you know, your life and this time you spend with people, which are all things that sort of are expressed well in the leftovers, but we're sort of, we're, we're sort of an awkward fit at the end of Lost. So I, I, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with your point. This show is, I think, a better fit for, you know, maybe Lost was, was, was Damon Lindelof's best thing he could have done at that point in time, but I think this is a much better way for him to express the sort of things he, I think, wanted to get across with Lost, but couldn't because Lost is a was essentially a, a, a mystery pulp yeah, well, genre thing that, that couldn't really support the weight of like ideas of like mystery and faith. Because we're in in the leftovers, we're entering this narrative, you know, three years in. Like we're not. 
I mean, we like, I mean, the first ep- the first scene of the first episode is like, you know, whatever. Yeah, but but, <laughs> but like, you know, with Lost, you know, it would have been it might have been more interesting if you started there. If I've just been on the island for like <laughs> two years, <laughs> but um. I think the the departure in this is like a catalyst and not a problem you want to solve. And I think that's kind of what it is. It's like we're not you can't fix it. That's the whole point of the show. It's like you can't bring these people back. It's how do we live now without forgetting, but also with the acknowledgement that like some weird shit just fucking happened. <laughs> <laughs> but I did enjoy it. Um, the acting is, it's wonderful. Mm. Chef, chef, Chef's kiss. chef kissing finger motion. hundred <laughs> percent of the acting. Um, the writing is, is, I mean, some of the acting is good. There's, mm. there's, you and I feel similarly about Liv Tyler as an actress. Which we, can, we can get into that. Liv she's, Tyler's in the show. She's not terrible in this, but... I don't like her as an actress. I'll, I'll say I think this is, and again, this is more played out in seasons two and three. Mm-hmm. But Liv Tyler is, I think this is her best role mm-hmm. because it is, or besides, this is my favorite role of hers that I've ever seen. Yeah. Because I've not seen her entire filmography. I mean, but I like her in Empire Records, but that's the last okay. time I remember liking her. Is, is that Rex Manning Day? Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's the one thing I know that from. Uh, but this is great because you're not supposed to like her. Yeah. She is, you're sympathetic towards her for some of it at least, but she is like an off-putting, like by the time the season is over, she's like as hateable as Patty Levin ever was. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I want to talk about two people. Uh, Justin Thoreau. Uh, obviously, but first Chris Eccleston. Ah, uh, yes. Because the ninth doctor himself, the honestly, the most underrated of the doctors, I think, I think his doctor is very good. Of the modern era? Because I can't the, speak on the original the, doctors. but I can only speak on a few of the original doctors, and I would say of the modern era, obviously. Oh, yes. For, for sure. For sure of for the modern sure. era. Um, and I was saying to you when we were watching the, the final episode that he has this thing where he simultaneously looks comforting and terrifying at the same time, which made him an amazing doctor and also made him very good at this particular role of being like, a priest who cares about his community, but also is like, ride or die, let's bury a body. <laughs> um, Matt Jameson is the most ride or die character in the entire Leftovers universe. It's true. And I love him. <laughs> he is a fantastic character because you can't really pin him down that easily. Like like a real people or like any great character. Because he, he is, a, like you say, he's a, he's a priest who cares about his community. Mm-hmm. He sincerely believes the things he, he preaches. He mm-hmm. sincerely believes in redemption and grace and all those like nice things and he really helps out kevin in, in a tough spot yeah. <laughs> but he's also a little bit out of his mind yeah like though i and i think that's the third episode of yes. this show is where it turns from like oh this is an interesting concept <laughs> what's going on to oh shit because <laughs> the first two episodes are very much like you know the standard like family drama sort of like template of like you know there's a bunch of different characters they're all in different places around the 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 country or the state or the globe or whatever and we're checking in on them and they all have their plot lines and you know we're sort of jumping from one to the other mm-hmm. that's sort of very very layered like standard prestige storytelling uh, model but then episode three comes around and it's just matt basically like kevin appears nora his sister appears and but it's mostly focused on just matt's um matt's life and his 
Oh boy, he goes through some real tough stuff. <laughs> There's some Ma- places. Matt, um, <laughs> I don't know if I, if I want to summarize the entire plot of that episode, but basically, Matt is, you know, he's a man of God, but it seems like God is like just constantly fucking with him, for for, for no to no real end either. And Chris Ferguson, he 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 carries that episode. He he puts the team on his back. Carries him through. It carries him to the end. It's amazing. Um, yeah. And then that that episode really demonstrates like, oh, this show is not just going to be like, it's going to surprise you sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's not just got like this interesting premise. It's actually going to like take some turns and focus on people and explore some things you and like adopt some like weird different tones that yeah. you might not quite expect. I like when when shows do that writing wise. Like they they are like, hey, let's focus on the secondary character for a whole episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always very, and it very still good. moves the the story forward because they do that with Nora later. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other Jameson sibling gets her own episode. Yes. Episodes later, and it's, it's it's similarly great. Yeah. Um, and it's also like yeah, that sort of like is the lost storytelling model in extreme. Yeah. Where like every episode you had one character you got like, the flashbacks of, mm-hmm. and this is basically like that condensed to one episode, in the middle of like a longer narrative. Yeah. I think um, what I really appreciate about I I want to say our three main characters who are. Kevin and Matt and Nora. I don't know if Matt is technically a main character, but he feels like one. In season one, he very much feels like yeah. a main character because um, him and Nora are the only ones to get, you know, episodes like, just, just about just them. About them. Um, I think what I like about the three of them as characters is that we know and the narrative acknowledges that they are not good people, you know, necessarily, but they're not bad people and they're people who through these amazing performances and good writing you want to root for like kevin especially like he's he's not a good guy but like man do you sympathize with <laughs> right? him you're like he's just doing his best and he and, he, and he's not and he, he and he he hates himself way more than anyone that you anyone could, could hate, him. hate him right yeah. like he's oh god the scene in the final episode with him and matt and oh. like i was crying oh man That's... man justin thoreau you don't. You shouldn't be allowed to be that pretty, and that good at acting and other stuff. <laughs> he he's. I think he's a better <laughs> actor than 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 Brad Pitt. But he's got that Brad Pitt thing of like he's this rugged, like chiseled, like handsome leading man type. But he's actually a character actor. Yeah. Uh, I have not seen Maniac, or I haven't seen a, a much of it. But as my understanding, based solely on the mustache he wears in that in that show, that that's a similar like, he's following that 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 muse as far as it'll take him. Hmm. I like it. Yeah, he, he's great. You wouldn't. It's a sort of. It's a character type. It's like you know, a small town, like chief of police, which mm-hmm. in like almost any other show would be like just an excuse for just dumb stuff, basically. Yeah. Like this is one of the few pieces of fiction I've seen where like the main character is a cop, and that's not like they don't lean on that for stories. No. Like it doesn't really. You could, you know, it places him in a unique position in the community because of this role, and it does sort of offer him different like things he can do that would otherwise be harder for character to do but it doesn't really you could almost do the same character in a different in any, any sort of job yeah because the things he's struggling with are not things that are like inherent of being a police officer you could you could have him being basically any job that's sort of prominent in the community yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah i know and justin throw just like is so good and, yeah, has, and he, he, he has he been nominated it. for any awards for the show because he fucking should be <laughs> I, I don't think he was nominated for anything. That's so they, upsetting. The show got shut out pretty hard at the Emmys all three years. Didn't, I, I don't want to say they got no nominations. Didn't the girl but, who played Patty get nominated? Oh, and that's true. She got nominated for... Um, or was it for something else? Well, <laughs> she, she got nominated for season three. Uh, I'll, that's all I'll say. I mean, we, I know she's not at least 
gone, gone. <laughs> yeah, <but> she, <laughs> she appeared yeah, after yeah. she was dead. <laughs> Look, it, 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 it's really hard to get in too much into this without, without yeah. spoiling anything. But I will say that I, I believe she did get nominated. Uh, outstanding guest actress in a drama series. She didn't win, though. I know. It's upsetting. Damn shame. That was the only Emmy nomination. That's that's a damn Ugh. shame. Um, <laughs> so uh, do we want do we want to talk about Carrie Coon for a second? Um, yeah, let's talk about Carrie Coon. She's great. I love She's her. She's great. I think I think we haven't seen her. I haven't yet seen her really stretch her acting muscles on this show. It's interesting because she is so i mean when i was i started watching the show when season three was going on i heard all this buzz about about carrie coom and like when you watch season season one episode one she's like in one scene yeah. and you would never guess like the level of prominence she becomes to to arrive at in the narrative mm-hmm. and season one she's still sort of a supporting player mm-hmm. but she is like she is present throughout the entire narrative like you're following her from episode one through episode 10 yeah she's just sort of in the background which is sort of which is a, a, a good play honestly because you get to sort of cut through the different layers of, of Nora Durst very slowly. Mm-hmm. Like when you see her episode two, just going from house to house doing her job, but she has a gun in her purse and she's knocking over coffee cups just to see if she can get anyone to acknowledge that she's a person. Uh, she, she's great. Um, again, we'll get, we'll get more into this in future episodes, but story time, Kelsey. I'm ready. Last year, I went with Sarah to the Obies, which are awards honoring uh, achievement on off Broadway work. And Carrie Coon accepted an award for her performance in, Mary Jane by Amy Herzog. And during her acceptance speech, she told a story about how she met people outside the theater every night and people were reacting like the very strong, like emotional content of the play. And they had things like, you know, experiences they had been through that they were able to like see it portrayed on screen in a way that was very meaningful for them. And like, on you know, stage? on stage yeah. rather. And then so it brought them a lot mm-hmm. of like peace and understanding. And, she, and, then she, and then she said, some of them were just, you know, crazy leftovers fans. <laughs> to which I said, Uh, uh, so loudly that a if you if you watch the the video of that of that awards show you can hear me like on the official feed and b she said thank you so, so directly to you yeah to me Carrie to me Coon. the crazy leftovers fans it was i it was me so i'm 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 a big fan of Carrie Coon in this show again you're right we haven't seen like her do a full do the full extent of what she can do but her episode season i think it's episode six guest where she goes to the uh, conference is it's good it's it's good this is pre-fargo yeah this is pre-fargo interesting season three of this and fargo season three were running at the same time for a little bit cool yeah um she's great i don't know i don't even have to say about it she just like has such a she's she's such a she's a woman overwhelmed by grief but she shows it to you in such a unique way she's not sort of it's not sort of like bearing down on her it sort of has just like altered her way of living so deeply that it's sort of she's she's like walking through her life like proceeding almost normally but everything she does is so deeply changed by what she's gone through like the fact like when she like hires that a sex worker to shoot her in the chest while she's wearing a, a, a kevlar vest she does this as if it's the most like reasonable like like normal like this is the thing she's done like every week for years now but it's a it's it's a sign of a person who is deeply, like deeply hurt, and that's the way she carries that off is 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 brilliant. Um, chef, chef, finger kissing noise. <laughs> I'm I'm saying that because I'm worried that doesn't that sound doesn't really come through on on, <laughs> on audio. 
like I said before, I think the one of the main positives of the show is that it really takes characters who, without the great performances of the actors or, you know, the somewhat subtlety of the writing, would just be unbelievable. And you wouldn't, they wouldn't resonate in a way. Because, like, you can, you can describe this to someone and they would just be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, Stephanie was, kept coming in when I was, like, in the middle of episodes and she would just be like, what (laughs) like she came in at the beginning of the guest when um or guest not the guest guest um when Nora's like asking the girl to shoot her in the (laughs) chest (laughs) she's just like what is happening (laughs) i was like this makes sense don't worry (laughs) i just can't imagine being like why is that man so upset about that bagel (laughs) just get another bagel kevin (laughs) i have some questions Okay, yeah, you mentioned you had questions. I have questions. Okay, let's, let's get into it. So first... Let's, let's, let's launch our new segment for the new year. I have questions. <laughs> I have questions. With Kelsey Goldman. It's actually Stephanie's catchphrase, but... Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, I sh- you, have, you have appropriated that fully. Yeah, well, we that... appro- we've lived together for seven years. These things happen. Oh, boy, tell me about it. <laughs> the timeline of this confuses me, right? Because it's October 14th in the first episode. Right, because it is three years after the three departure. Three years after the departure, which was October 14th, three years previously. 2011. 2011 so it's october 14th 2014 right and i just am confused about how much time has passed between that and the end of season one it's not super clear but i don't think it really needs to be yeah like it's at least six months it's at least well we know because the episode four takes place on christmas or over christmas yeah and then beyond that it's kind of hard to tell well a baby is born a baby is born (laughs) a baby that can't have been more than like probably three i forget is christine visibly pregnant when we see her no. in episode one? okay okay so no yeah um that's so the baby wow, can't she, Harry, she, he, she and tommy are on the road for a long time yeah <laughs> man that sucks like there's some there's some time jumps there that i'm just like oh okay that's kind of a lot um yeah so and kevin and, and Nora like they they begin dating and enter into like a a pretty serious relationship over the course of the first. Yeah, and you season. don't really see a lot of it. Yeah, you see you, you see enough. Yeah, they have great chemistry, by the way. They do. It's and it's good because the literally they talk to each other for the first time, and I was like, they gonna fuck. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ooh, the the oh that first scene. It's episode four when they first talk, right? Yeah. And it's like oh man, just seeing them together. Like you like, I I'm not like. I'm not much of a shipper, to be honest. I am, so, you know. Uh, nothing wrong with it, just it's not... Balance you out. It's, it's not a thing that I pretty yeah. often consider. Yeah. Usually, it's, usually romances in shows, especially, like... I mean, so it depends on the quality of the show, obviously. Yeah. But you don't... It's not what you're there for. You no, know, especially, like, heterosexual romances, to be honest. Like, Why? often I'm like, ugh, it feels very rote to me, which yeah. a lot of times it is. Yeah. Uh, two biggest uh, uh, um, uh, examples I can think of where I got very invested yeah. were... Uh, this show yeah. with Kevin and Nora, the first time they spoke, I was like, please get together. Please. <laughs> please. I need you to put your faces in near each other's faces. And, oh, you know how I feel. You know, all the, all the feelings or the feels, as you would call the them. The feels. Uh, second example, not really relevant to this discussion, but um, uh, Sterling K. Brown and Sarah Paulson in the uh, uh, the O.J. Simpson <laughs> miniseries. <laughs> uh, which is weird because they're real people. <laughs> I mean... But man, if you're fictionalized versions of have you seen people. that? No. Oh man, those those two, you you so want those two. Do they again, fuck? They don't. Oh. But go. Oh. Colleagues, it's weird. Jason's shipping is weird. <laughs> no, they have they have tension. There's tension there. It's in the narrative. You should watch it. It's great. It's yeah. it's a it's a great miniseries. But like I get I get invested in ships right. in anything I watch. So. Which is great. It's a great way to be. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes it hurts you. 
Um, sometimes, sometimes it hurts. You. <laughs> Looking at you with a hundred. Looking at you. <laughs> well, uh, not recently, you haven't been. No. <laughs> they burned me. <laughs> they need to go sit in their corner, and I'll come back. To they them. burned you like prime fire. <laughs> oh. ah, that's for the real fans. <laughs> um, um, yes. So yeah, no, they they have great chemistry and. Part of me thinks that Kevin wished to have his family back. Okay, when he when when at the end Wayne Holy Wayne like when Kevin finds Holy Wayne dying in a bathroom stall yeah and like uh, yeah yes um, yeah I, 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 I absolutely believe that's what it is yeah which is because like there's definitely a setup for a reset there at the end like yeah oh no they they've got a new family now yeah Kevin and Jill are together again yeah the, the dog even the dog came back yeah Nora's there and she was gonna leave and then she found that that sweet baby that I guess like. Tom and Lori just left on his, or either Tom left it there, or he he the baby was in the car, and when he picked up Lori, and then they left I, it there. I always took it to mean that the Tommy dropped off the baby. Yeah. For for complicated reasons, Tommy is like low key like the most messed up character in the show. No, he's like, so interesting. Like he is like, and I I, I hate. I want to know more about him. I don't like his plotline so much in season one. It's kind of my least favorite thing in this yeah. season because he's. Part of it because he's he's so cordoned off from anyone else, and he never gets to interact with like the main cast. At yeah. All. Except for in the flashback well, episode. Because in the flashback episode, he, that's when he's like, I'm like, oh, no, you're interesting. Yeah. Like, I want to know more about you. Like, his relationship with Kevin and Kevin Sr., honestly, yeah. is I I want to see more of that dynamic and how it's shifted. It's, it's fascinating that it seems the way Tommy is, like, both trying to do the right thing, but also has, like, sort of the way he's inherited the things that have, like, happened to him in his life in, a, in an interesting way. Because... You know, the entire thing is that, that Tommy is not Kevin's biological son, but he adopted him and like raises him as his own, uh, because he when he when he marries um, Lori, but then um, Tommy ends up with a baby that's not his, and he abandons abandons it. it. But he, I mean, he 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 gives it to a good home though. Like yeah. he is like I think he is trying there to put the baby in a better situation than living with a single man who has no Nothing. fixed address and yeah. no job, no anything. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's sort of a complicated moment but it's yeah it's it's probably it, it probably is the best choice for tommy in that moment honestly even if it is yeah pretty messed up to just abandon a baby it's I, always I been feel abandoned like the, once. The, the garvey's motto is just we're doing our best they're doing their best <laughs> um and i'm i'm excited for the next season in which we have kind of it we're exploring that new family dynamic and oh, what that means man kelsey if i could uh, just if i could see season two I'm again sure for the first time fucked up season two well, it both yes and no actually. Huh. That's that's the that that's that's again the thing that sort of this season is kind of missing that makes seasons two and three better in a mm -hmm. sense. Among other things, that the writing is even better. There's different structural stuff. There's some, some mixing up with the the cast and supporting characters that I won't spoil for you. But there's more life. Like there's 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 hope and happiness occasionally depicted on screen. Oh, that's nice. Which in season one, yeah, season one is like you know there's there's it's humor, despair. but it's very dark humor. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's like entirely like we're living in a broken, bad world, and oh well. <laughs> like it's, so, not, it's not it's not a show without any sort of like light or beauty or anything. But season one is very grim. Yeah. But seasons two and three, a little bit, you know, things things lighten up a little bit. Yeah. Um. Which more captures the the breadth of human experience yeah things are light sometimes um so my questions yes. continued <laughs> two questions i feel like i'm never gonna get answered okay um 
what the fuck is Amy and doesn't she have a home? <laughs> right? She was living with the Garveys. Yeah. Like she was, I just thought she was there a lot, but no, she was living there. My impression was that she has a home, but it's just not a good situation. And I, yeah, it's not, it's like not a good situation, but like, I feel like that could have been a really interesting thing to be explored. Like did her parents both depart or like, or does she just not have a home? Are there places? I don't know. I think there, there, there was interesting places that could have gone and it didn't go there, and I, I'm getting the sense that it doesn't ever. Yeah, don't don't worry about Amy. <laughs> You're not going to get much more closure on that than you've already gotten. My other question that I'm not sure I'm going to get answered is, what the fuck is up with the mayor and Kevin's dad? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I told you. They're, they're, you find out in episode eight, or episode nine, right? They, they were fucking. I mean, they don't like... They were, they were, but they were, right? They were involved in some sense. I don't okay. know if it was purely physical or if there was a romantic element too. But they were clearly involved, but they couldn't, I guess they couldn't be open about it because, like, she's the mayor and he's the chief police and it might be, like, a conflict I mean, she, of interest. she wasn't the mayor in episode 89. But oh, that's true. She's a councilwoman. That's right. She's, well, he is the chief police, though. Yeah. Maybe, there, maybe there's something there that makes, means they can't really know, be just, it open. It was weird. It was weird. They don't have a ton of chemistry and it, I was just like, wait, is that what it's supposed to be? Because, like, I, it, it felt kind of forced, which is why I was, like, unsure about whether or not that was what they were implying. I think we're meant to understand that they, they had a relationship of some sort. Okay. I'll go with that. But again, uh, that the mayor, don't worry too much about her either. <laughs> there you go. That's why I said I didn't think I was going to yeah. get that one answered. <laughs> um, and, and trust me, as soon as you start season two, literally as soon as you start it, you will have many more questions that will push all of these questions out of your mind. Great. In a, um, in a good, in a fun way. My other question, which I assume we might get answered, is does Kevin know or does he find out that baby disappeared <laughs> inside his wife's womb? This is, I, I honestly... Because I assume that's I, why Lori's fucked up a shit and, like, went well, and joined this weird thing. It's and, interesting. That you, so you, you took, there's that, it's a sort of an ambiguous moment at the end of episode nine, right? Mm -hmm. Where Lori's getting the ultrasound, like, at the moment of the departure, and she sort mm -hmm. of has a almost like unreadable look on her face when she looks at the screen again. Um, yeah. And it does. I mean, I sort of, I assumed that's what happened. That that's a totally reasonable. I think that's prob probably is what happened, but I like that. It's not ever. I, I think is I can't remember if it's ever actually confirmed one way or the other. Honestly, I don't, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. And I, but I remember when I watched it sort of enjoying the ambiguity of it because it would be like that would I mean you it, she wouldn't need that to sort of walk the path she does after that happens no. like it's sort of it's a the guilty remnant is is a it, may, it sort of makes sense that she would join that anyway in some way but I mean, we don't know a ton about her no but that certainly but, would push her towards that yeah. but also like she already has like reason to not want to have this child anyway yeah. like her marriage is not going well this is clearly not a planned pregnancy Kevin doesn't even know about it mm -hmm. but again I don't I honestly I don't remember if we get more on that. Okay. Um, but I think your read of it is, is probably what is meant to be understood. Yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. How do you feel about everyone's favorite team of, of white sheet wearing weirdos? You know them, you love them. The guilty remnant <laughs> as we, as we term them, the original chain smokers. <laughs> uh, well, they don't, they don't take selfies, They don't. but they do pose. They are the they are these they're they're probably like if this show, um, if this was a more conventional, conventionally popular show, they would be the big like meme takeaway from the show because they're like the most like iconic image basically created by the first season is these people 
who just linger on the sidelines of the entire world, chain, uh, smoking. chain smoking <laughs> and wearing all white and just not saying anything. Um, and they are, I think it's fair to say, they fucking suck. They fucking they, suck. You hate them. You hate them throughout the whole first season. They're they're just obnoxious and they seem so smug and they really, they seem to be just driving a wedge between so many different people. But I would say, well, first thing is like, you, as, as much as you hate them, whenever like bad stuff happens to them, like if they get hurt in any way, it happens in a way where you can't really feel good about it. It sucks. Because <laughs> in Matt's episode, they get hit with that rock, but then he tries to help them and it fucks up his whole thing. Yeah. Uh, when, 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 Patty is killed. Spoilers, I guess, for the leftovers. Patty or Gladys? Gladys. Sorry, I always get those names mixed up. When Gladys, well, when Gladys is killed, mm. uh, it's so brutal. You kind of, well, I was honestly still a little bit like, yeah, get him. But I knew that that wasn't the right reaction. See, I, I was kind of like that too. And then in the flashback episode, you find out she like loves dogs and shit. And it's like, you like see her smiling with a bunch of fucking puppies. And I'm like, how am I supposed to feel good about this now? And also like her own she, friends killed her basically yeah like she was killed by the guilty remnant yeah that that was like honestly the worst part was yeah <laughs> what did i write in my notes i think it was fucking hell patty you can't just kill people because they're okay with it <laughs> <laughs> quite a statement <laughs> uh, and then of course when patty kills herself it's like kevin is like totally fucked although not really he gets out of it well he's he's not mentally okay he's not mentally okay and i think but you he, know but he, he does he does get away with I mean, he, well, I mean, it's sort of thing like where he, he, it does seem like a bad situation for Kevin, but it's more, honestly, in hindsight is the moment is more about his emotional toll. This is taking mm-hmm. on him, like what it means for him and, and, like, and, and, and how that, much she's fucking with his mate, yeah, his and brain. Like, and their, ba- their weird battle of wills that's going on. Yeah. Um, because like, I don't think it's as much as said, but the fact that maybe this, this might have been mentioned that episode actually, but like no one in the government would care that this woman is dead. No. Like they would all be happy that no. she's gone, honestly. But it also like, it also gives us more sympathy for Kevin yeah. in that like you like you identify with him more because like he feels bad about what he did yeah. which is not something we've seen from the guilty room at all no remorse is not a thing that they have because they're they're, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're cult they're true believers they yeah. really like are intense about their mission and it's the other thing about the guilty room is that they are awful and they do some fucked up shit some so, <laughs> mostly fucked up mostly shit, fucked up shit uh, but I also think they're kind of right. Like their 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 whole thing is like you you can't forget that this happened. You cannot live your life as if this weird, inexplicable thing that changes our entire understanding of the world and our lives didn't happen. You have See, to acknowledge it. I don't think that that philosophy is wrong, but I don't think that that is what they're accomplishing. Well, yeah, yeah, right, because <laughs> they're yeah, because they're a weird cult and, and everyone hates them. Yeah, but everyone everyone hates them because they're. Cool, they're annoying, but they're also right. Um, the guilty remnant did nothing wrong. <laughs> Hashtag free free patty. You're wrong about that. We'll see. <laughs> um, the fans will come. Will, will support me. What do you say, fans? Um, the thing that I think is interesting about the guilty remnant is that of the two cults that we see, because <laughs> we see two, <laughs> one is made up of people you kind of expect to be in a cult, which is holy wayne's cult right it's like young people and people who don't really have anything yeah um you know you know people who who either are ignorant in the ways of the world or have lost so much that they are turning to this right 
which I think is some of the people in the guilty remnant, but a lot of the, the, the two people we see who go into the guilty remnant who we know about are Meg and Lori who give up a lot of what their life was to do that mm-hmm. and who have productive lives before that. And I think that's really interesting. And that seems like, cause a lot of the guilty remnant seems to be like middle aged and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I guess we're also seeing like the Mapleton guilty, guilty remnant, yeah. which is probably a lot of like middle-aged white people. <laughs> um, it's Mapleton, New York. Amen. <laughs> um, so I thought that was interesting. Just the juxtaposition between those two cults. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause it's not really ever, I mean, I mean, uh, Patty sort of gets into it a few times, but you never really, it's never really like laid out totally clearly what these people get out of being in this cult. Also, but where do they get their money? That that is a question, that, and I'm not sure that's ever addressed. But that's that is a question. Yeah, because oh. what we see how Holy Wayne gets his money. He's friends of congressmen. He hugs them. Yeah, and he charges a thousand dollars for to hug people for his magic hugs. For his magic hugs. What a. Hold on, hold on. The guilty remnant gets their money from the guilty remnant. Like it's a bunch of people who experienced a traumatic event, and I'm sure were very normal and had lots of money. <laughs> Because they were all, it seems to me, like a bunch of like upper middle class to upper mm. class. But that's a finite. White people. That's a and finite it's only amount been how of money. many years? Three. Three years. But we don't know oh. when the Guilty Remnant actually formed. Yeah. They formed after. Yeah, but we don't know at what point the in the event. timeline. Yeah. So uh, we're talking upper upper class people with millions of dollars in stocks and bonds and savings and houses that's and it. property. Investments. Like <laughs> they just liquidated themselves and give the money to the guilty remnant that's not as fun to think about sarah i am not sorry <laughs> but that's how i think you're probably right it. and they live they live pretty 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 like frugally fr- frugally yes thank you they they, they just they, they wear they the same like thing every day clothes and they live like 27 to a house they're, they're honestly <laughs> their biggest investments probably signs Signs, cigarettes. Cigarettes. I don't know how much they Honestly, cost no, in it's, Ableton, it's cigarettes. but probably pretty. It's definitely cigarettes. Yeah. Oh, and, and those fake, uh, you know, those real dolls they buy in the yeah. for the season finale. But yeah, thank, thank you, Sarah, <laughs> uh, for for raising that point. Um. Yeah. So, it is a very interesting, well-crafted yeah. television show. It's a good show, and I'm kind of pleased that it's not more than three seasons because I feel like it could be the kind of thing that went off the rails if it went longer than that. Yeah, I honestly, I, I kind of wish there was a little bit more. Yeah. Just I love it so much, and it's also like it's three seasons, but season three is only eight episodes. Yeah. So it's not a satisfyingly round number of episodes. That is annoying. Is uh, season two ten episodes? Yeah. Oh, that is annoying. <laughs> That's so annoying. Yeah, I, it doesn't bother me in the season itself, but the fact there's only like twenty eight episodes instead of thirty is really mm-hmm. that drives me crazy but it is the sort of thing that does does have like a you know it's based it's based on a book yeah. um the first season exhausts the entire plot of the, of the book though so from season two onward they're totally off the you know off the off the map uh which is great it's, it's like in the um sort of a reverse handmaid's tale game of thrones sort of thing or getting off the book just made the show better <laughs> i'm so excited for you to watch season two me too it was one of the things where I was scrolling through the episodes on HBO Go and just thought, oh, I can't wait till Kelsey sees this. <laughs> it's really, it, the season two is like up there with like, in my mind, um, it's up there with season two of the hundred. Yeah. For the all time <laughs> greatest like TV show seasons. seasons. Yeah. Which maybe the hundred is a weird comparison point for that, but I know, but you understand what I mean I understand what you're saying because I believe that season two of the hundred is one of the best seasons of television. I think when ever. you see season two of the, <laughs> of, uh, the leftovers, you will. I think seasons one I mean. and three of the leftovers are probably exponentially better than seasons one and three of the hundred, but <laughs> certainly season three of, of, of the leftovers is maybe 
potentially better than season two, but season Ooh. two is just such a full, like, complete story. In yeah. the same way, season two of The Hundred is again a full, yeah, complete, complete story. story yeah. And, like, you can sort of see how. It, I don't know. It's great. I'm excited. I'm glad you're excited. I was worried you would hate this show. No, I don't hate it. It's just not something I would have chosen to watch without, without you here to ruin my life. That's the show. And I can't. And it's not. And because it's because of how like intense it is, I can't watch it a lot at once. Yeah, it's not a bingeable show. No. So, which is you know difficult for me sometimes. But I enjoyed it. This I'm is... like, I, I keep looking at your um, your picture of of. Uh, yeah, so Kevin Garvey, I've, I've and been... I'm wondering how he gets from where he is now to that. <laughs> uh, uh, so we have a piece of art in our <laughs> in our apartment, which I will I won't say too much about what this is, but I'll describe <laughs> it. it is visually it is clearly Kevin Garvey, Justin Thoreau from The Leftovers, wearing a white suit. It is a, it is a portrait of him uh, in the, in this sort of like very regal pose. And if anyone out there is listening who has seen The Leftovers all the way through, they will know what this is meant to be, what this is a reference to. Kelsey, I could not. You could never, you you could never guess what this is. <laughs> in a hundred years, you would never guess what is happening and what 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 this is represents from the show. That's exciting. Uh, so yeah, that's yeah exactly. Okay, I'll give you one. I'll give you one 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 little mm. tease for season two. Yeah. There's another Matt episode, and it is even more stressful than this one. Oh God. <laughs> it is it, no joke. It is like full body like anxiety scarf. Can you tell me which one it is? So I can prepare a full body anxiety scarf. You, you, I mean, it's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not cringy. It's just like it's stressful the way his was in the season one. Yeah. But even more so. I'll prepare my weighted blanket. Prepare yourself. <laughs> Are we done now? Yeah. Except one thing we gotta say. That's a special thank you to Danny Abowd of the Weeping Willards for use of your song, Danny, "Outside in the Rain," from your your album. Self-titled album. Self-titled album. Mm-hmm. The Weeping Willards. On Bandcamp. Available now on Bandcamp. <laughs> I shouldn't have I shouldn't have done that in the second person. It just messed me up. <laughs> it was all weird. And thank you to Carly Sussman, who designed our logo. You can find her work at carly-rose.com. Special thanks again to you, the listener, for listening. For listening. Give us a like, subscribe, rate, review. Share with a friend. Share with a friend. Tell your friends. All your friends. You're, you're the many. I know this. I know my my leftovers heads are out there. My I guess they'd just be the leftovers, right? Yeah, I feel like the the, the fan, fan name, name for, for the leftovers, leftovers is just, is just the leftovers. The leftovers. <laughs> um, yeah. So spread the word. Let us, let everyone know uh, how much you like our show. Um, until then, I guess we'll uh, we'll see you around. Happy, Happy holidays. holidays and keep on rocking in the free world. Sure. I thought maybe that would be a nice little spice at the end of it. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up. Can't let them get to me. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up. Can't let them get to me. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. Only I can mention me. Only I can mention me. I have a question. Yeah. Well, I guess I have two questions. Sure. Question number one, it relating to when Kevin was uh, was having sex with that woman and she got uh, did departed. Yeah. Did he nut? <laughs> Does it count? <laughs> right. I mean,